Shall we do a marker? Yeah. And then we can just I've got chat. Files recording. So okay, let's do our so, terrible clapping. Are you ready for this? <laughs> okay, here we go. Okay. One, two, two and a half. <laughs> oh my god. I don't even know if we're two, doing it on three or after three. Hang on. Two and th- two and three quarters. Three. Clap. <laughs> you do this every time. I can hardly count to three, let alone time it with bits and fractions. You should be able to count to three now. <laughs> so this is... Um, oh, right, I better do an introduction. Right? <laughs> Let me get professional. Let me get professional, okay? <laughs> City of Kings, City of Kings. <clears throat> well, you know, I don't need to do that anymore. That's perfect. Thank you. <laughs> you don't need to do that at all, no. That could be your okay, new ready, uh... You could replace your intro with a theme tune of someone else's game. Just you singing it over and over. Just over. me singing <laughs> Exactly. Do you imagine that? The champion of the wild. <laughs> <laughs> it's made by Dr. Tom. <laughs> He's really surprised, shut up and sit down, put his game in their news, then did a podcast about it, and it rose through the funding, and it got funded in 24 hours. Now he's known as Dr. Smiley Tom. I want to see a, a montage, I want to see some kind of rocky montage when people fail at Kickstarters. I want to see somebody who's tried a Kickstarter before and it hasn't quite reached the funding to actually do a full funding montage. We better do an introduction. Yep, sounds good. So, I'm Frank. You're, I'm Richard. What's your name? You're Richard. Okay, you're Richard. Yeah. <laughs> this is... <laughs> This is We're Not Wizards. This is Frank coming back to take over because now he's like got a successful Kickstarter. He won't even return my calls, eh? Unless he's like coming on the show, eh? But the thing is, you know... It's like my best pal in You've that. done so many of these episodes, but has anyone ever come on and actually interviewed you? So I went out to Twitter and I asked people for questions <laughs> and for the next hour... <laughs> no, you didn't. No, you didn't, because I would have saw it. I was going cause to. I, cause I, given <laughs> I forgot. Were you, actually? That's some, actually. You were going to, but you're so unimportant, I forgot. Because I, I had, I had kickstarty stuff to do. How are you doing, anyway? You uh, tired? Tired, yeah. Tired's a good word. I um, just got back from EGX last night, which I've been at since Wednesday morning. And that was a very, very long convention. <laughs> very long. You were... You were demonstrating the game. I was, and um, it was just me and Sarah, and we had two tables, and it was 10am till 7pm for four days, which was <laughs> like nearly double the entire length of UK Games Expo with just one extra day. I think it was about two hours from being double the amount of time. Was it good? Did you get a ticket? Did you get any actual chance to do... To actually see EGX. Oh my god, I didn't get anywhere away from my stand. I mean, by Saturday, I was constant. Uh, you know, I was considering wearing a nappy just because getting to the bathroom was so hard <laughs> that it seemed like the best option. So, 
<laughs> is that why you decided to get an office yeah. so high up some stairs? We've not started recording yet, right? By the way, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have. Oh, yeah, great. have you? Re- are you recording? Yeah, no, I am, but I might just That's stop good. it. And, you know. No, don't stop just now. <laughs> this is Frank. Frank, Frank, I'm ready to record. Frank says, "Ah, oh, right, just give me a second. I'm going to go and grab a drink." Ten minutes later, oh. Oh, I didn't realise that my drink was downstairs. I had to go down ten flights of stairs to get my drink and then come back up again. It's like, where are you? Those stairs, you've got no idea. The worst thing about this office, right, is as you go up, because we're in the attic, and as you go up, the stairs get narrower and narrower, and the last set of stairs are like a spiral staircase, and each step is on a different angle. And if you get it wrong, you go. Like, that's it. Like, when we moved in, we nearly fell down them so many times. You need like a banister or something like that. Is it a potentiality you could actually die? This is, but this is this is all new offices, Frank. Yeah, businesses, Frank. Business premises, Frank. This is this is from a guy that is um, your full time board game designer, there, Frank. Yeah, something like that. It's a bit weird, isn't it? It's um, it's a bit bit weird. (laughs) It's all strange because I've had my own offices for a good few years, but my own offices Ah. have been kind of a shared room with another company and we've had 50% of the room each and it's always kind of been difficult because as I've kind of started doing the board game stuff it's not really fitted in with that environment very much so when you get playtesting and stuff you know we have to pack it away each night we don't really have a designated kind of gaming area and now we're in the new office it's just so much better it's you know, we have a gaming table. We have pictures on the wall, which is like, <laughs> pictures on the wall is unheard it. of in my world. You got prints. Yeah. I've seen you've got yeah, they're prints of your game. Yeah, Frank. and that's great. You know, I can get to that's work and see what we've done and kind of feel like I'm in that world a bit more. But I mean, this is off the back of the City of Kings, which seems to have ignited into some kind of behemoth which people and it's still, there's still people talking about it, still people mentioning it, they're still kind of getting the word out, the the comments they still kind of seem to keep coming along trickling a little bit nicely on the Kickstarter itself. Yeah, it's Um, it's really strange, I mean you obviously, you know, you run a Kickstarter and you know, you hopefully succeed and then, you know, you spend six months trying to fulfill that Kickstarter or some some people like two years or whatever, you know, but it's a long period of time. And you always just assume that that period of time is just going to kind of dry up and kind of get slower and slower. But for us, really, it's just been nonstop. Um, strangely, I realized the other day that it's basically been six months since my Kickstarter which just blew my mind. But even more strangely, since the Kickstarter ended and we launched our Mm. pre-orders, there was less than 10 days where we didn't get an order, which, like, how were people finding us every single day coming along? Like, we're not marketing, we're not advertising. We've just been to EGX, but, you know, I just don't know where these people are coming from. Well, I've been up and down, going to London (laughs) with a sandwich board. Um, because I don't know, I had a kind of a bit of a, a kind of a bit of a set too with Peter Blankern, um, because he was also bragging to me about his fabulous offices, <laughs> and then and then I went right, okay, uh, enough of your subterra nonsense. I'm going to go and promote Frank. So I've been out and about with my sandwich board, 
saying, have you heard of the City of Kings? I'm Frank West. I was doing impressions of you and stuff like that as well. Hope you don't mind. So that's where they came in from. And, oh, like, thank you very much. I appreciate that so that's, much. Um, that's just to- totally not true <laughs> at all. That's lies. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised because someone's <laughs> got to be doing it. I mean, you know, obviously, like, I'm, I'm over the moon by it, but it's really taken me by surprise. And it's just like... It's such a surreal feeling. So we haven't spoken for a long time. I was looking and I don't think we've spoken since like the middle of the campaign, which was kind of April time. And yeah, I know. so much has happened since then. But last month I was in Gen Con and, um, or I was, I guess I was in Gen Con, but I was at Gen Con and, um, I, you know, I was walking through the airport and someone kind of came up to me and they just knew who I was and they introduced themselves. And like that was such a strange kind of feeling, you know, you just, I'm in America and people are coming up to me and they know who I am and it's fantastic, you know, like it's it's an overwhelming feeling and it's just so nice to know that people, even now they're still thinking about the game, they're still interested, you know, they want to meet me and I just like, I feel so grateful that I've kind of got to this situation in my life. But there's a trail though, I mean, um, I was watching, as I say, I think, was I watched the Rado walk through kind of again the other day so that's still getting you know there's still people kind of watching that they're still kind of getting visits and stuff like that and you are let's face it you are the little frank that could Do you know if you look at it that way you kind of came in you stormed off with a kickstarter there's been a kind of a lot of interest in it so you know i mean you're you're a professional game designer now, Mr. West, you know. I know, it's crazy, isn't it? I mean, a couple of weeks ago I didn't even know how to tie my shoes and now <laughs> I'm you know, I'm having to put ribbons around boxes to send to people. It's it's terrifying. Is that what happened with EGX kinda of Sarah said to you, right? I'm coming to EGX <laughs> with you, right? But I'm not tying your shoes in front of everybody because we'll be too we'll be too damn busy. <laughs> I tell you, um uh not to get too sidetracked, but at EGX, um Sarah was so incredible, you know? I mean, she's a lady who plays board games with me, and she went to the UK Games Expo and she did some demos, and the demos she did at the UK Games Expo were the first demos she ever did. But not only that, they were the first time she ever taught anyone a game. She had never done that before. You know, it didn't dawn on me until we were at the Expo that she had never done that. And then... When we went to EGX, it was like, it was just the two of us, and she was sat on a table for eight, nine hours a day, doing 10, 15 demos a day, and she never, like, got tired. She was enthusiastic the whole time, and at the end of it, you know, people were coming to me and saying what a great job she was doing, and, like, you know, for me, that was such an incredible feeling to kind of see her there, knowing... I could just go off and leave her, you know? I could have a coffee, enjoy myself, and it was amazing. It was like, that's the moment, you know? She's trained. She can do it. <laughs> are you st- I mean, are you still... Are you still thinking somebody's going to run over and give you a shake and kind of wake you up, and you're going to go, oh! and you're going to be sitting in front of the screen, and there's going to be, like, the flashing launch your project now? kind of button. Do you get <laughs> kind of like that sense of unrealness sometimes? I think for me, like in all honesty, I would say no. And I don't mean that in kind of any kind of negative sense, but I think that 
I'm I'm someone who spends a lot of time thinking and planning, and I'm very much a realist. So I'm kind of very much in the mindset of, you know, I've done something big now. I've done something that's been amazing. But now that's step one on the ladder. And my concern now is, how do I do something so much bigger? You know, if I went from nothing to that, I now need to go from that to something even bigger and something even more exciting. And I'm spending so much of my time now just trying to deliver the promises that I kind of made to people and just seeing how I can kind of grow myself, the business, the world, the game, our other games, and just kind of truly make this kind of big vision that I have in my head. <laughs> I mean, um, is it, I mean, have you thought about with the, the kind of the difficult second album, as somebody kind of would say, have you thought about kind of scaling it back about doing something a bit simpler? Have you thought about maybe publishing somebody else's game? I mean, what's, what's kind of been your thoughts for the kind of the second game? So my kind of mindset was very kind of straightforward. I spent a lot of time thinking about it and I had a few options. I could obviously do the obvious kind of expansions as my next thing. I could do another kind of fantasy adventure type game as the next thing. But both of those to me seemed too easy. And I don't mean that in kind of any disrespectful way, because again, you know, designing any game would be hard, but they seem like the easy choice. They seem like the choice where I could do them. They would probably kind of tick over and kind of do well, but that's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to do something that's going to again, make people look at it and go, that's something that's different. That's something that's interesting. So I spent a lot of time kind of finding this line between what's new and exciting, but what's also going to appeal to people who are already interested in the City of Kings. So I kind of sat down and basically just brainstormed for a long time. And I came up with this concept, which I really, really liked. And then I basically kept refining it until I effectively created a new mechanic, shall we say. Mm -hmm. And it's a mechanic which I'm really proud of. And I've not talked about it publicly anyway yet. And unfortunately, I'm not going to do it tonight just yet. But for the, for the sake of you, I'm going to call it mechanic blank, you know, and and um, the, the blank this is mechanic. Like blank, deep blank. <laughs> Fill in a checkbook and pen. You might win. Oh my knows. goodness! <laughs> sake. But you know that mechanic is something which truly I'm very excited about. Like I've started playing with it, and I really enjoy it. And the early playtesters I've had come in have been really surprised by it. They found it really interesting. And I can actually see myself making several games kind of using this concept. And maybe other people will kind of come along and use it as well. But one of the things that's kind of exciting for me is like, how do I do something that's different? And how do I kind of, you know, break out of these kind of trends? And that's what I'm kind of hoping to do. So I guess to answer your question, I set myself the goal of create something that no one's ever done before and make it interesting. Which, you know, it's a nice easy challenge. And then, so that was Tuesday evening. So, did you have any of them plans for Wednesday? Yeah, not to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is it, I mean, is it kind of, yeah, I mean, is it kind of daunting to kind of make something that is going to be, do you think, oh, there, as well as the success of the City of Kings, is there now that, oh, there was the success? of the city of kings do you did you do you feel you've kind of pushed yourself or you're putting more pressure on yourself 
to push yourself further than what you did with the City of Kings. I do, but I think that's kind of a good thing because I think that spurs kind of innovation and kind of progression and growth. As I say, I really feel like if I'd done another fantasy adventure or if I'd done like an expansion as the next thing, that I would be trying to like, you know, trying to take the easy money. You know, I've I've got an audience who are interested in those kinds of games. Mm. And if I can do a good job of it, then, you know, I'd be hopeful that a good chunk of those people would go, hey, yeah, another one of these from Frank. Like, I'm interested. But what I wanted to do was say, you know what, I'm going to do something different and I'm going to try something interesting. And I know that not everyone who backed the City of Kings will be interested in Rising Blades, but I also know new people will be interested in it. And for me, like, that how do I do something new and interesting, even though it's more scary, has a much better reward for me personally and hopefully for the other people than if I just kind of take the easy route. Are you still going to, because when we spoke back at the time about City Kings, you did explain there was other games that you wanted to do within that kind of world. Is that still is that still the case? Are you going to go back to City of Kings and produce more games? Or is Rising Blades the kind of, let's do this now, let's show what I, you know, other things I'm capable of and then go back to City of Kings afterwards? So Rising Blades is still set in the City of Kings universe. So it's still within that world. It's just a very different game. And they're very, very kind of independent. So for those who don't know, the City of Kings, you know, it's a fantasy adventure whilst you're exploring this world. And at the start of the game, the whole world's kind of just been destroyed. You know, the bad guys have kind of conquered everything and it's the final battle. You're kind of stood the last surviving city and you've got to fight out and see what you can do to survive. And you're playing those kind of surviving heroes. So it's a fully cooperative game in that kind of destroyed world. Whilst Rising Blades, this takes place about five years prior to that. So it's actually a prequel. And the difference is in Rising Blades is it's a fully um, competitive game and it's an asymmetric game. So each player, because, you know, asymmetric games are simple, aren't they? So I decided to let's do four different games all kind of intertwined Um, with each other. (laughs) I'm just in the middle of uh, finishing the rules for this asymmetrical game I've been designing while we've been talking for the last 18 minutes. It only takes about five minutes doesn't it apparently <laughs> I just I just don't see why there isn't more kind of asymmetrical games I was looking at um, Ash's Rise of the Phoenix Born and I produced uh, my own deck in an afternoon uh, with with some crayons and uh, some scissors which was uh, which was equally kind of nice you're not going to sit still though are you I mean this is going to be you're going to push you're going to start off with these mechanics mechanic blank um, yep. for Rising Blade and you're going to just push out as far as you can get are you looking at a medium sized kind of box game or are you thinking potentially big box are you thinking shall we say the M word miniatures is it going to be that type of game or is it going to be competitive uh, face on face kind of card game type territory or are you not allowed to tell me <coughs> no that kind of stuff's absolutely fine so it's kind of For me, it's difficult to kind of balance the idea of kind of medium and large, because obviously City of Kings, you could say was large, but you could also say it was massive and you could also say it was like bigger than that. So it's kind of hard to put it into scale. But I guess um, the Rising Blades is more of a kind of standard box size. So we're talking, you know, Ticket to Ride box size, um, Terraforming Mars box size. It's that Mm. kind of typical kind of square kind of box. Yeah. And... 
Um, you know, it's a full box, but it's not a kind of six kilo kind of crate that's going to turn up on the back of a tank. And it's, um, miniatures are not going to be a part of this game at this time. Um, there's something which again is kind of in the works for kind of a later kind of purpose. But you know me, I'm like, let's just do something beautiful. Let's do something that's amazing and different and interesting. Let's do something that's as cheap as it can possibly be. Yeah. But it gives you that immersive experience. Mm. So I want to keep going down that path of let's make thinky kind of Euro-like kind of games, but let's make them full of flavor. Let's have story. Let's have theme. Let's have adventure. Let's make it a game where it's not just a case of who can take over what place. It's a case of why are we doing this? What's happening? I've done this. What's the impact of that in the world? And kind of to tell this story. You sound like you're kind of, you want to tell me, but you're really trying to hold back and not kind of tell me. <laughs> kind of thing. You're kind of like, it's just this, isn't it? This is what it is. Kind of thing. Um, when, okay, you're at, are you playtesting with Rising Blades? Have you, you've mentioned that already. I mean, how long do we have to wait until we get something more concrete and try to nail you like a wall like a jelly or something <laughs> it's like fine. that I've, I've, I've still got a few more bits I'm happy to tell you so well, that's, that's absolutely fine I think um, playtesting with Rising Blades is an interesting term because when I started the City of Kings I worked on the City of Kings like the, the original game for about two and a half years and it probably was six months before I got people to start playing it outside of me and Sarah because, you know, that was the first game and I wanted it to be right. And with Rising Blades, um, I rang someone up and asked them if they wanted to come over. And I kind of made the first prototype that day. And I basically started playtesting it about four hours after I came up with the idea. So it's a very different kind of experience, you know. And the, the game's been growing. But mm. I'm literally playtesting it kind of every single day with different groups of people. And it's really coming together super quickly. And it's kind of scaring me how quickly it's coming together. And I'm taking it to people who are real critics of games. You know, these the typical people who will tell you there's been no good game for the last five years. You know, board games are dying and people yeah. just hate everything. And I'm getting good responses from them. And that kind of scares me because I want to kind of keep refining this and pushing it and pushing it. And I'm actually finding that I'm already getting to a point where there's not so much kind of negative feedback coming back. And that's probably about three months earlier than I was expecting. So at the moment, um, my kind of goal is to kind of really upgrade the artwork and the graphics and then actually kind of start traveling around and doing a lot more kind of open playtesting. I, I take it with the um, the freedom, a little bit of freedom that the City of Kings given you. Has it meant that things that you would have had to sacrifice in the past because the city of kings you said you were developing that for about kind of two years was that obviously having to make sure that you were looking after yourself at kind of the same time so that's essentially city city of kings has allowed you to kind of develop more board games but under your own terms as opposed to what was kind of available to you resource wise at the time yeah, completely. And like, obviously, time wise, I did that kind of that standard thing where for two years, I was working like eight to nine hours a day on my job. And then I was working you know, six, seven hours a day on the City of Kings, and then sleeping for a few hours. And I said to myself, 
great, I can get rid of the other job and I can work on the new game for eight or nine hours a day and then actually have my evenings. But it turns out that I'm just kind of spending 15 or 16 hours a day on the game. And I'm just like, this is great. Everything's happening super quick. But obviously, like, six months has gone by and I don't know what colour my hair is, but it's certainly a bit different to what it was last year. <laughs> are, you, are you a root showing, love? <laughs> Honestly, I was in... um a shop the other day trying on some clothes and I was horrified by the back of my head. Like I have lost so much hair that oh. it's, it's kind of, I don't know. I, I've, I've got to make a decision between kind of shave it off, buy a wig, get a marker or a hat or something, but never, never. I might just start wearing stilts. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so people can't see you unless exactly. of course, unless of course they're passing you by on a bus <laughs> So what to do is get stilts, a, a top hat, and a curly moustache, I think, to finish the whole look off. I think it was going to be the way to work uh, this, if I'm being perfectly, perfectly kind of honest. Are you going Prince William kind of hair? Is that the way it's going to go? In? Pretty much. <laughs> um, yeah, but, but anybody kind of goes past you and says you're losing your hair, and you go, well, did you have a successful board game on Kickstarter? <laughs> well, you didn't, did you? So I did, so go on. <laughs> and that's the great thing, isn't it? I mean, if, like, when the game turns up, no one buys any, I can just wear the empty boxes on my head, <laughs> and I'm sorted. <laughs> you can change the boxes as well, or either that, you could, you could arrange for different art print. Oh! Art, okay. print, art print hats from <laughs> the city of a stretch games. goal for Rising Blades. Rising blades, yeah, a rising. hat-shaped box. <laughs> That's a, and you could even call it a hat box or a box hat. Amazing. It's just that I, I, I'm surprised you're not writing this down. To be perfectly oh, honest, I, um, I've moved into digital form. I type things now, but you know, I'm well there. <laughs> I type things now. Has I mean, you? I don't know. You're sounding determined, but decidedly more relaxed. I guess it's like you've proven your point, kind of thing. You've still got I've, the fire, you've still got the energy. There's still the kind of the excitement. There was, I think, when we last spoke, which was the middle of the Kickstarter campaign. There was the nervous kind of excitement. It's like, oh my goodness, this is doing really well. I have no idea what's going on. Oh my goodness! But now there's the kind of listen, mate. This is me now. This is me in me kind of happy place. I'm doing my game. I'm getting up. I'm getting up when I want to. I go and work on the game. I get myself playtesting. It's taking its own sweet time. I'm letting the game kind of naturally ferment and develop as it kind of comes along kind of thing. It is. And it's kind of, you know, this is 30 years of lifetime kind of suddenly getting to that dream point you know it's kind of you grow up going I'd love to do this I want to do that oh can I please do this and I'm there now so you know I'm enjoying it I'm loving it for the first time in my life I'm getting up in the morning and I'm basically skipping to work and I say that there was actually a time about five years ago where I challenged myself to skip to work and it was two and a half miles so I guess it's the second time in my life where I skipped to work oh my goodness it's going to be like that episode of Friends when Phoebe jogs with her arms flailing around beside her. Pretty much, pretty much that. I can just imagine people seeing you just like, who is that man? That's Frank he West. <laughs> he does look happy. I think it's also, um, 
it's worth knowing that I'm one of these people who I will put myself in the worst situation to see how I survive. So I like to challenge myself with life and I find that kind of interesting. I hate playing it safe and I really, really want to push myself. And I'll, I'll kind of go on to a story in a minute for you, which you might find interesting. But first, another story. Look at that. Two stories lined up. Um, Double Frank. So, we can't resist it. Bring it on. Once upon a time. <laughs> okay. So... I used to work in the web industry, kind of um, coding websites, and I said to myself, um, I want to get into UX, which is user experience. I want to start kind of doing that as my job. Mm. So literally, having never done kind of UX professionally, I said to myself, I'm going to arrange to do a talk at a convention in front of 100 UX professionals next month. And by next month, I need to know enough where I can stand on a stage for an hour and introduce them to something and excite them. And I just did that because I wanted to kind of challenge myself. And at the end of that talk, someone came up to me and they were like, that was really interesting. I learned blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I did it, you know? And I was like, I learned this last week. It's great stuff, isn't it? <laughs> you're, a bl- you're a blagger. <laughs> yeah, exactly, you know? And, uh, and that's it, you know, it's about that challenge. So. You better watch out. The Kickstarter comments are going to be. I just heard Frank and we're not wizards, and he says, he says pretty much he's made up all this stuff so far. <laughs> I'd like a refund, please. If, if you actually read the terminology I use on the Kickstarter page, where it says the estimated weight is six kilos, that's six kilos for all of the games combined. Exactly. <laughs> the game is actually, you know, when you get little cards and you want big cards. My cards are actually about four millimeters by six millimeters. Like, it's and just scaled down. <laughs> it comes in a matchbox. You've actually sp- and you spelt um that you spelt weight word, you spelt weight as well W A I T and KG so, means thousands of years. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you for your money, Kickstarter people, but there's no laws to say that you're gonna get it back. We better Do you watch think this you could ever like literally put one on there and it'd be matchbox size and just kind of make people think that it's a full size game. Just shrink it all the way down. It's like it comes with a magnifying glass for each player. Just like say this is um I've actually got really big thumbs. <laughs> you just got like a picture of your thumb right next to this kind of really, really small box. That'd be so cool. You could do um you could do City of Kings tiny version. In fact, you could do a series of games which are tiny but absolutely useless games that look fantastic, but you could never actually play because you'd end up kind of crushing them. And there's a thing to do. The City of Kings, an ant's perspective. (laughs) Adventure up the first step and get to the city. It's kind of like the Hamlet of Kings. Yes. (laughs) The, the village of kings uh, uh, king, king street <laughs> <laughs> but you know like this is the thing you know um i think one of the reasons i'm in a very good mood tonight is because of egx so for two and a half years i've said to myself i am designing a game that's for board gamers and for video gamers and obviously i've play tested it with both groups but the majority of the time, as you can imagine, has been with board gamers. There's been every event I've been to has been a board gamer event. Yeah. Every night I've had has been a board gamer night. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, EGX is a 75,000 person video game event. 
and the board game scene there is basically non-existent like it's a new kind of growing thing yeah and I mean, to give you an idea of how unboard game friendly it is, on the first day they switched off all the lights and they were like, oh, do you need lights? And I had to go and get them to switch lights on. <laughs> and for the first two hours on the first day, if you sat at the table, you couldn't read any of the stuff on the table. So it was that unboard gamery. And I mean, it was a good event, but you know, for me, I stood in a room of video gamers and they loved it and we were non-stop busy and every single person who sat down and played was like i get it i love it it's just like you know world of warcraft it's just like final fantasy it's just like this and i understand it and they were excited by it and they went off saying i never knew board games were like this and for me that was like you know that was the final thing that was the much more value than all the kind of the money from the kickstarter that was the people saying you know that thing that you set out to do you've achieved that now and that was such a great feeling so oh that sounds like noise in the background unless that was me um <laughs> i think it was you but <laughs> it was i'm not definitely sure. not me I've no idea. that's definitely not me oh my goodness <laughs> what are you accusing me of now <laughs> Um, did you then get, were people able to pre-order at the time at EGX then? Did you, were people able to go on and kind of pick up or pre-order? Yeah, so things, we, yeah? we closed the pre-orders online and we did kind of pre-orders at the convention and said that this was kind of the last opportunity and we got a lot of pre-orders. We got pre-orders every day. Um, we got lots of people coming up and pre-ordering and it was really cool. It was like... It was so unexpected. Like, I didn't go there to get pre-orders. I went there because, I, again, I wanted to challenge myself, you know, can I stand in front of those people and get them to want to play this game? And to get the orders on top of that was really surprising, to a point where we actually, <laughs> after the first day, I had to go and work out how to get internet access because we didn't really work out a way to take payments because we never assumed we were going to get any. Yeah. And then <laughs> we were getting payments and we were having to like stand outside to take them. So <laughs> we managed to kind of wangle some internet for the last three days. It's kind of like, I would like to buy your game. Um, if you can just follow me outside. <laughs> if you could step into you. the meeting room four <laughs> exactly. metres around this corner. <laughs> exactly. Um, this is, um, isn't this outside? It's kind of outside, but it's the virtual reality <laughs> outside. It's the payment gateway that we use. Oh, where are we? No, you're actually standing in the payment gateway. Oh, that's very cool, isn't it? I really, this is real. I don't even have a virtual reality headset kind of on. This is kind of amazing. You know, when I said to you that I made a board game like a video game, well, yeah. I made a payment system like a credit card when we walked to the bank. Exactly. <laughs> Down the next street, round the corner, past Burger yeah. King and on the left. Do I, what I, how does that work then? Well, you, um, if you put your card into the payment machine and then, um, if you press, uh, this money and then you come it back and you'll get, you'll get some tokens that are in the shape of, uh, foldable bits of paper. If you bring them back to me, then that'll sort of stuff out. Wow. This is just m mega. <laughs> Did you, I mean, the people that you spoke to, were they kind of like, um, were they already into the board games or did you have people kind of coming up and going, oh, what's this fancy monopoly, eh? I would say that about 80% of them weren't board gamers. The the vast majority of them were video gamers. Oh, to yeah. a point where I kind of wanted to have, like, 
a cloth over the table and then just a piece of glass and be like, look in that. It's like a video game. Look, you see this little bit and then trying to move the sheet of glass around, you know, because this was the thing. So many of them said, you know, I could hear the comments saying like, oh my God, this looks so complicated. And I would just jump on them and I'd be like, but if you saw the whole world of a video game right at the start, it would look just as complicated. And we've designed this in that same way where you gradually get introduced to it. And like in a video game, you don't need to worry about the end boss at the start. This works the same way. And as soon as I said that, they'd all be like, oh, well, that makes sense. And they'd kind of be willing to kind of go through that pitch. They'd play the demo and they'd walk away smiling. With the stats that we um, talked about um, in the previous episode before um, did anybody actually drop the Dark Souls comparison in there at all did anybody say oh this has got stats like Dark Souls or were you kind of blissfully kind of free of that no not really I don't think like not from this weekend no one's really mentioned that at all so well that was an absolute failure of a question there wasn't (laughs) (laughs) Um, with you being able to spend more time playing games are you getting more games to the table I mean um, one of the things that we spoke about previously was your beautiful wonderful fantastic amazing Kickstarter habit which yeah is and my unopened box pile <laughs> exactly <laughs> I have prepared for this question for you oh, are you okay. ready for this yeah I am I'm going to blow your mind well actually Since... I'm going to have a go at you first of all because you you scamp Sent me when you were at um, when you were at Gen Con. Oh, here's a list of all the games I've played, <laughs> and you actually enraged me so much. I think you got <laughs> mentioned on the episode that Matt Jarvis was on because you sent me over a look at all these lovely games that I played. <laughs> so go on then. You ready for this? Absolutely. Since we last spoke on April the seventh, I have played ninety six different games not including any prototypes. And of those, I have done 150 plays. That's ridiculous. That's not true. Call yourself Do you want me to list them off for you? Call, you ready for it? Call, your, call yourself a board gamer. <laughs> You've played 96 games. Yep. And I would say 75%, well, probably 75 of them. That would be about 75%. Give <laughs> or take one. Um, once, once again, once again, Frank West winning it with the maths. Yeah, it's absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Um, 19 of those games I've played more than once. Um, so yeah, there's kind of a good list there. I, I put, I've got a spreadsheet in front of me. You watch. Give me a letter. I'll give you a game. You've done st- D. D. Okay, let's go for D. Um, the Daedalus sentence. Dice Forge. Yeah, that's two Ds. Talk, talk to me about Dice Forge. Is it good? It's rubbish. Don't buy it. <laughs> you can't believe it. <laughs> Um, I should disclaim this by the fact that I think I've already made you buy it, haven't I? <laughs> it's just actual just scum. 
Yeah. Um, no, I do like Dice Forge. It's a good game. Well, that's it's, good. Um, really I don't good believe fun. you. You're just blagging it. You've been told. <laughs> I'm going to challenge myself to persuade people to buy a <laughs> to buy a game. And then I did that about six months ago. <laughs> <laughs> Make them regret their decision. Oh no, no, no! Not that bit. Not that bit. Yeah. People are going to get really shocked when the City of Kings turns up in like a jiffy bag. <laughs> <laughs> So Dice Forge is good. Okay, let's yep. let's pick another because this is a fun game. Um, M M M is for Magic Maze, Mars Four Forty Five, Meeple Circus, Millennium Blades, Monster Misfits, Mountains of Madness, and Mysterium. Um, so Millennium Blades, what do you think of it? Because that is um, <coughs> level ninety nine, isn't it? I think the problem with Millennium Blades is that we were doing a kind of 14-hour gaming day, and it was the Uh. last game of the day, and I kind of convinced everyone that it'd be a lot of fun to make all the batches of money together as a group, which kind of took about an hour and a half, (laughs) and by the end of the hour and a half, I would say that at least one of the people at the table was in a slightly bad mood with me, (laughs) and by the time we got to the game, they weren't like their normal jolly selves. (laughs) But now all my money's been done, and I didn't have to do it all myself, so I kind of won. Um, but with, that, with that, I didn't win the game, but I won the night. Did you get um, an air punch and went winning at life? Winning, <laughs> he's no, not it winning. Was good at fun. Life. I did enjoy it. Um, I do want to play it again when we've kind of had a slightly more kind of non-stressful hour beforehand. But yeah. um, it was good fun. It's very different, and it, I wouldn't say it was like my favorite game ever. But I just I love the kind of uniqueness of the concept behind it. Of the. Oh, here we go. Right, okay. Of the 96 games that mm-hmm. you played, was there any ones that surprised you that were a bit of a disappointment? Ooh. There's a couple, but I don't know if I can say that out loud. <laughs> I might get crucified. Um, let well, me have a look through the list. Well, um, it doesn't have to be kind of like you didn't like it. <laughs> it just has to be a case of, you know, I would have maybe played it. And you can obviously omit any games. Oh, that you don't worry. I'm, I'm more than happy to badmouth them. I'm just looking for them on the list. Just keep with me. <laughs> um, have you got a graph as well of the games that yeah. you order? You like them as well? Oh, my um, goodness. I actually could have exported my ratings for them, but I didn't do that. I kept it simple. <laughs> um, I would say Cry Havoc was a game that I didn't particularly enjoy, and I know that that really? gets quite a lot of kind of positivity. Yeah. Um, we played it two-player, and I think that we both had the same feeling at the end, which was, like, what did we kind of do wrong? Because we kind of felt like we played the game, but we didn't kind of feel like we were, like enjoying the play if that makes sense we kind of felt like we were just doing mechanics and I don't know if it was just because we were not really getting something or whether it was the fact that it was just a two-player mode of it I don't know but we kind of got to the end of it and we both kind of said I want to play that again to kind of see what went wrong Hmm. but I would rather play something else before I play it again so I don't know like that was not a great experience for us I've heard um, different things. I've heard people talk about if you're playing the four-player game and you bring in the trogs, unless everybody else takes on the trogs, the trogs become too easily taking over the map just because of the numbers that they have. Okay. So I've heard that about it. 
Um, I'd still, I still am very interested in playing it because I have it's it looks interesting. So we'll see. There's always a I've heard people rave about it. It's another one of these. Your mileage may vary. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, I'm not a big fan of that kind of game anyway. Normally, hmm. but I played that one specifically because people were kind of you know raving about it a bit, and I just wanted to kind of give it a try. Um, I would say on the other kind of spectrum, the game that's really kind of surprised me the most that I've enjoyed was Bunny Kingdom. I um I've totally fallen in love with Bunny Kingdom. Like it's it doesn't make sense in my head. You know, I I saw people talking about it before Gen Con and yeah. I was like, that just looks stupid. Like I'm going nowhere I, near that. It's a I little pink to, bunny on a map. And I'm then I have to Google this. Keep talk but what what was good about it? What made you kinda of go, Ooh, <clears throat> ah, this is well, amazing. The thing was I was walking along Gen Con and I walked past it so many times and I just didn't, I, I kind of ran past it, you know, I just like, I didn't want to look. And then mm. I was walking past and there's three guys sitting down and they were like, oh, do you want to join us? And I was like, mm, no, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and I sat down and I loved it. And I think that it was just like, it's a very, very simple game. Like you can explain it in five minutes and it's very, very straightforward and it doesn't take very long to play. In that, you know, I've played it now kind of in 45 minutes and with two people I've played it in like half an hour. Um, but there's a real element of depth and I feel like you kind of create your own complexity in that game. Like there's very different routes that you can take and some of those routes don't make you do better, but they make the game so much more kind of complex in terms of decision making. So what I love about it is you can play with people who just want a light, friendly game, but you can then kind of ramp up the complexity for yourself, and you're kind of competing on an evil, even level. And I just personally, I really enjoy that. I like the fact that you make your own challenge in the game. And that's um, is it yellow? Is it yellow that make that? It's Richard. It is, Gar- yeah. It's Richard Garfield, isn't it? Um, we'll go with yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, in my handy spreadsheet, all of the oh game names are clickable links. So we'll have a quick look, and here it comes up, and it is <clears> designer Richard Garfield. See, I, I'm ready for you. There Any you questions? Go. I'm I've just, got this. you know, I was I was expecting I was going to catch you out, and it turns out I was completely wrong. <laughs> was there anything else that you kind of like the that have you kind of liked? <clears throat> um. Over the last six months, I guess there's been a couple of things. One game I feel like I should talk about, just because um, it's it's something that I've been playing a lot and been involved with a lot, and I don't know how much you know about this, but <clears throat> the story begins that um, there was a convention called Aircon, and I guess this was, what, six months ago now? It was before my Kickstarter, so probably seven or eight months ago. Yeah. And I went to Aircon, and I was chatting to this guy there, and he's someone I've chatted to on Twitter, and he was there with his game, and it's called Defection. I don't know if you're familiar with Defection or not. No, I'm not, but... Um, so I was chatting with him, and it turned out that we kind of live five minutes away from each other, <laughs> and he was from Bristol, and we met, like, you know, six hours away from here. Oh, my and, goodness. And he was just this guy who quit his job to design a board game. 
and he's living off his savings, designing this board game full time. And I said to him, you know, if you want to start coming into my office and having a place to work from for a few days a week, you can do. So basically, since my Kickstarter finished, he's been in my office every day. And since we moved into the new office, he's now got a permanent desk here and he's working on this game. And when I first played it six months ago, like, you know, it was an okay game. It was fun. It was a bit different. There were bits yeah. in it which kind of felt a bit off. But actually, now that it's been refined so much, um, I'm really enjoying it. And I guess I've probably played it about 20 or 30 times now in the last few months. So, I, you know, I've played it a lot. And it's it's a fun little game. So, you know, not to plug him too much, because obviously you know, I'm biased. A lot of my ideas have gone into this game as well. And he kind of sits with me. But... Um, you know, it's really worth checking out and he's going to launch a Kickstarter next year. So um, it's called Defection and it's on Board Game Geek. He's on Twitter. So it's worth a look. What's his name? He's called James Tomblin. Okay. So we shall... Well, you'll need to ping us over the links. His Twitter yeah, stuff. I'll send you the links as well and you can put them up somewhere and maybe in the description. But... Yeah, yeah, maybe we could even... I know. I could see if we can get him on a show somewhere. Oh, he doesn't like talking to people, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't like talking. He won't like talking to me, will he? It's, <laughs> no, Let's it's, face it. I will. I will suggest it to him because um, he's he's one of these people, you know, who's doing that typical thing where he's spending a lot of time working on the game, hmm. but he's not built as much presence. And he's now been at the Games Expo. He went to EGX. He was at Aircon. So he's certainly been to a few conventions now. The game's getting better and better, hmm. and it's getting closer and closer to being ready to go live. So yeah, no, I'll chat to him and see if he can come on. Yeah, James, don't listen to Frank. Frank, you know. Being... <laughs> Frank and me got history is to do with like ten pounds that he owes me back in nineteen eighty four or something like that. Don't listen to him. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm not as old as bad. You. Thank 1994. you. Nineteen ninety four. I can. Act- <gasps> oh my goodness! No, don't tell me that. <laughs> I'm actually old enough to be your dad. I know it's awful, isn't it? This is one of the worst things that's happened to me. Right, I'm going to go on a rant now. This is totally irrelevant <laughs> to anything. But at EGX, yeah. my niece came up to me. Uh-huh. And my niece is two and a half years younger than me, okay? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And she kept telling everyone I was her uncle, which just made me look so old, because here she is in her <laughs> mid-twenties. And I'm not old enough to be, like, the uncle of someone in their mid-twenties. But everyone, you know, she works for The Guardian, and she introduced me to her boss, and she was like, hey, this is my uncle. And I was like, I'm young, please, like, stop it. And then on Twitter, there's a selfie. This is me with my uncle. And it's like, I'm going bold and grey. Like, it hurts enough. Like, I woke up last week and I saw that I'd lost all my hair. It's going grey. And now someone's telling the world that I'm their uncle. And they're, like, in their mid-twenties. And it's like, what's happened? Like, <laughs> I just want to design games. Do I don't you, want to be someone's uncle. <laughs> do, you f- do you feel better? I do. I do. Do you play it all out? <laughs> So, should we start recording now, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, we're better, eh? <laughs> um, have you, I mean, are you going to help with the publishing side of games then? Is that something that you have considered? I mean, I mean, let's face it, at some point, the, you know, City of Kings is going to go out, um, Rising Blade is going to be the next one. Are you going to branch out into what other people are doing in a career? Are you going to do a bit of consultancy? Are you going to help kind of publishing games? I mean, you've 
done the design thing, you've done the self-publishing thing through Kickstarter for City of Kings. Are you going to try and put your tendrils out into different bits of the industry now that you've kind of you've got the ability to do that? Um, yes and no. Like I'm, I'm helpful. I'm helpful. I'm helpful. There you go. I'm helpful. <laughs> <laughs> Just you heard it here first. Internet, you'll find me. I'm helpful. Um, <laughs> I'm. He's, he's like the been... peer, he's like the Windows paperclip of the board game world. <laughs> oh, I can Steve's version two. Ask Frank. <laughs> I can see that you're trying to do a worker placement game. <laughs> Would you like First, help with get that? some wooden cubes. Do you have wooden cubes? Great. No. <laughs> Step two, make sure they are colourblind friendly. Step three. Chuck it out and buy City of Kings. Because <laughs> it's full of wooden cubes. <laughs> it's all the wooden cubes you need. It's almost oh. like you could say City of Kings is like a game development kit. <laughs> I, I tell you, there's some... There's some little funny things out there that you get with all of this because one of the things we did was we um, offered all of the individual kind of upgrades from all of the extra tiers in our game as kind of extra add-ons. So mm. if you bought the Adventure Edition, you could buy any pack of anything and kind of upgrade. And I've done this because as we kind of release the game and more stuff over the years to come, I want people to be able to add on to it. So one of the things we did was the um, wooden resource tokens. So we've got bags and bags of wooden resource tokens. And I actually worked out the other day that I have like 8,000 wooden fish coming to me in a box. And, you know, like, I'm just going to have to design a game about wooden fish or something because there's going to be crates of them just sat in the corner oh, waiting it's... for someone to come along and say, hey, I'd like 10 of those. Fish market. <clears throat> That's it, sorted. Fish fish. Game. Bishmark, no, no, fish commodity trading game. You have different types of fish. Oh, we've only got, got one do. type of fish, though. You've, you've already lost it. Well, you can have them on different parts of the board. Depending on where you oh, put them on the board, that's where the value is. And oh. what happens is you get three different rounds, and depending what time of year it is, the fish get extra bonuses depending on where they are. So you've got to decide if you leave a fish in a certain place, it'll eventually move up a track so it gains more money because it becomes more rarer in the season as the number of fish available kind of decline. Whereas all the other things, you can go for the the cheap, quick things which are allowed to put more fish and thus trade in more fish on a particular day. Fish market, done. Done, there you go. Board gazette. Board gazette. Oh my goodness. I can't talk anymore. Hello, my name's Frank, and I'm very, I'm very, I'm very, very this tired. This convention does to someone, I tell you. Um... So yeah, I'm. I've been like helping James a lot and kind of talking with him about his game. It's a good recovery. A lot of advice on that, and yeah, I'm going with it. I'm, I'm back to the question. Um, and one thing that I'm doing now that I've got the office is I'm going to be doing a lot of videos. So I've started recording a video series which I'm going to be putting on YouTube, and that's very much going to be um, me kind of just giving small kind of bits of advice and lessons that I've learned and trying to help other creators so um, I'm going to be starting that in the next kind of four to six weeks it might be a bit sooner but I'm going to kind of tie it in with some stuff we're doing for Essen and that's going to be like a regular kind of you know weekly let's give some advice and kind of help people in general um, if people want to come along and they want to ask me stuff I'm always happy to answer it if people want like professional paid um, help and advice for stuff then you know I'm interested in doing that but 
for me, um, the focus of my time is going to be designing my own games and kind of progressing those. And that's as well, considering what you did with City of Kings, I, I don't think you know anybody can say that that is not a particularly worthwhile thing for you to do. I think you should just crack on, son. Well, you know, I've spent five years doing consultancy for other industries and, you know, I, I won't lie, I got paid very well for that consultancy work. But, you know, the board game industry and the kind of board game design and the publishing is just so much more rewarding. So something which, like, I haven't really talked about a lot kind of online and something which, you know, I, I, I'll give you this one just, just for you and your podcast for now. Thank is you. Is <clears throat> when... I was launching my Kickstarter, I had to make a decision. And that decision was very black and white for me. It was either I don't launch my Kickstarter because I can't do it the way I want to do it, or I quit my job and I have zero income. And if my Kickstarter fails and doesn't succeed well, then I'm going back to my parents and I'm going to be homeless and lose everything I have. And... That was the gamble I put on my Kickstarter. I went home one night and I sat down with Sarah and I said to her, I want to put everything I've got into this and I want this to be, you know, I don't want to look back at this in six months time and or in 10 years time and say, I didn't do everything I could to make this happen. So I literally got rid of everything I had. I got rid of any sort of income. All the money I had went into getting that Kickstarter to the place it was going to be. And I literally was on the line of having to leave my home and going back to my mum's. And <clears throat> for me, my mum lives in the middle of nowhere. So, you know, that's leaving the city. That's kind of yeah. resetting my whole life. And that was the kind of gamble I put on the line for this. And now, like, this has happened. You know, I, I remember that risk I took. And I, I don't ever recommend anyone does that. But for me... I literally was that guy who said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm giving it everything. I'm, I'm going to kind of gamble my house. I'm going to gamble everything I've got. And I was lucky that it worked out, but equally, I know that I never would have been able to kind of be as responsive in the community and kind of as active as I was if I hadn't have done that. Yeah. That's, um, I don't think we can add to that. I mean, that's, that's something that you did and it's kind of it's really really paid off and it's good to see you kind of doing so well and it's kind of good to it's good to speak to you again as well um for well, because i'm conscious of the time for people that are listening whenever they're going to be listening and thank you so much for listening if they want to keep an eye on what you're up to and what you're doing and where you are what's the best place to find you frank Ooh, that's always difficult, isn't it? You always ask the tough questions. So if you want to chat with me and you want to ask questions, then you can tweet at me on Twitter, TCOKGame. Mm -hmm. You can find me on YouTube, which is obviously YouTube slash TCOKGame. Um, one of the things I really recommend is people kind of get hold of me on Board Game Geek. So both the um, City of Kings and Rising Blades um, game forums, I'm very, very active in. So if you want to ask questions about the games or kind of know anything about those, then you can go to the um, Board Game Geek pages. 
or you can find our website, thecityofkings.com. You can go to our Facebook page, which is TCOK Game, or you can just go to Google and type in my name, and you'll probably find another 20 social networks where I'm more than welcome to say hello. <laughs> and if, if, you, if none of that's enough for you, then you could follow t- um, Richard on Twitter, and you know, then ask him just to pass on a message because he's he's actually doing that kind of receptionist work for me now. It's a bit of a kind of it's it's a discussion that we're about to have once the call ends, and I'm, I'm really appreciative. And and you heard it here. I mean, you're agreeing to it, aren't you, Rich? So you know, we're, we're done with that. Yes, if I do that, can I get my family back? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I of might course. give you some wooden fish. <laughs> I would love. Can I get at least seven? Because that's the minimum you need for a game, of, a good game of fish market. <laughs> Ah, but you're paying for shipping. <laughs> well, I, that's fine. You know, I'll. Uh, yeah, you can ship. You can you can ship it with. Um, I don't know. I, I will send you a stamp to dress the envelope. I just, <laughs> I just need. I just need you to tell me your address right now, Frank. Um, <laughs> listen, as always, it's just things just for some reason go off in tangents and then end up in bits of marvellous bliss with you. I was going uh, to tell you so much about Rising Blades, but you just didn't give me a chance. So, you you know, said <laughs> you could not talk about Rising. So this means that you're going to have to come back when you do do stuff about Rising Blades. But you are going to have to come back about Rising Blades because at the moment, the person with the most episodes is Peter Blanken. And now he's got an office and you've got an office and he's got <laughs> a successful Kickstarter and you've got a successful Kickstarter. In fact, he's got two successful Kickstarters, so you better catch up. I'm he's sensing- also got hair. Do you want to throw I'm that at me as well? He's got, he's got an amazing beard. <laughs> Did you see the video of him in his warehouse? Did you oh. see the guy, the guy, the guy just, there was a guy, there's one bit, a guy just walked past and went, that's some beard you got there, mate. And just carried on. <laughs> he wasn't, he was visiting, he was health and safety, he wasn't even working in the place, but he still had to comment on He was the probably one. checking the beard for health and safety. <laughs> Just che- checking it for marvellousness and lustrousness. Um, he's getting beard oil for Christmas, but I don't know where to get him. <laughs> Answers to um, at We're Not Wizards on Twitter. Um, it's always very, very good to catch up with you. It's um, it's always good fun. And I'm, as I say, last time we spoke, you're in the middle of the campaign. This time, you're on the other side of the campaign looking forward. So that's always very, very fantastic. If you want to keep an eye on what we're up to, and we are grateful for every single one of you that does. You can find us on various places on the interweb nets, which isn't a word, but we don't care. You can find us on Twitter, We Are Not Wizards, Facebook, We Are Not Wizards. You can find us on Instagram, We Are Not Wizards. We're on YouTube at We Are Not Wizards. If you like what you hear and you want to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, that would be very, very nice and tasty indeed. Remember, don't give us a 10 because that will make us big-headed and don't leave us a 1 because that will make us cry. Give us 5 because that's average. And we are very, very average indeed. And joining us in our averageness is the rather average Frank West with his rather amazing games that he's refusing to tell us about. So. <laughs> but it is only two more things to do. And the first thing, as always, is to remember... That we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Frank? I've been meaning to talk to you about this. 
But, you know, <coughs> I think this is the time. Um, we're definitely not wizards. Totally Brilliant. not wizards. Absolutely fantastic. And the second thing is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from Frank. Say goodbye, Frank, you scallywag. Goodbye, Frank, you scallywag. <laughs> and it's a goodbye from us. Remember, stay safe, roll sixes, and... Uh, you know, these boxes from City of Kings may come falling down, but they're going to be replaced with rising blades, which you should keep an eye on, because if it's anything like the last juggernaut that Mr. West produced, it's going to be something rather magical and fighty indeed. But until the next time, my good people, thank you for listening, and we shall speak again very, very soon. But as I say, until the next time, goodbye. Say goodbye, Frank. Goodbye. Bye.